Welcome to the Shut Up Show. This is the Brave Solopreneurs Podcast helping you shut up and make shit happen. Inside every episode, you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day despite being scared shitless. You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. And now, your hosts and co-shut-uppers of making shit happen, Bernie Shung and Phil Gerbyshack. Another shut-up show today brought to you from Australia, Milwaukee and Madison, Wisconsin. What's up, everybody? It's Phil Gerbyshack and Bernie Shung. We are here today with the amazing and talented Israel Smith, a guy who quit his IT job to take pictures and to find this L word that love? What the? What are we, Bernie, what are we talking about? <laughs> yes, um, please forgive me for, for today's guest. Um, there's going to be a lot of love on this show. I mean, not only did I meet Israel through an amazing project, which Phil and some of our guests are very familiar with, the Good Misfit Project that AJ and Melissa Leon uh, spearheaded uh, in Africa, but um, now all of a sudden Israel's showing up like everywhere in my network, you know, Srini of Blockcast FM, you know, like Mars Dorian knows him, Paul Drivers, all of these peeps that we love. So um, when I really got to know Israel behind the scenes through a Facebook chat, yes, through a Facebook chat, we were able to become real friends. Um, I learned a lot about Israel and I stalked him quite a bit and I put in that question. I said, hey, dude. <laughs> well, after we had a very long, deep, dark conversation about something else completely off the wall, I was like, oh, yeah, by the way, I forgot. My question is, do you want to be on our show? And what did you say is? Uh, I think I said something like, hell no, but I'll do it just because you have a nice smile. <laughs> exactly. No, no, I said, I said I would love to. I was, it was my absolute pleasure to be a part of this because, you know, I, I really admire what you guys do. So, God, why would I not be, want to be a part of it? Exactly, and that's how he said it. Exactly like that. <laughs> so eloquently <laughs> stated. But but no, seriously, you know, I call him Izzy. So uh, I might be doing that throughout the show. But you know, Izzy, thank you so much for being on our show. Phil and I, we always try to find people not only who have such an amazing story to tell, but people who aren't afraid to get raw and vulnerable and real, right? In telling that story. And I know you got quite a few shut up moments in your lifetime. Yeah. So. What I'm going to do, because I'm always hogging all the shows, is I'm actually going to turn it back over <laughs> to, to where's Phil? Phil, all the way over there, because I know Phil really wants to kick it off with some juicy, juicy questions to start this off. So, Phil? Yeah. So, uh, in looking at your biography, photographer, ideas man, nice guy, you're a guy that went from IT to photography, and I think that's that's interesting because I went from IT to marketing, and I left my corporate job, too. I, I, I was like, you know, IT's nice, technology's fun, but it's not all that. But I know a lot of people love information technology. They think it's all that in a bucket of chips. So tell us, Israel, you left. How, how did you make that decision? What were you thinking, man? And uh, did you have any fear? Or was that just, this just an easy decision? Slam dunk, I'm making the change. No, no, not an easy decision at all, Phil. I um, so I, I graduated 
university or college and, and walked straight into a job that paid six figures and, you know, was was just going, look at all this money, I'm only 22, I'm earning 100 grand, you know, it was great. And after about two years of the work that I did was consulting and, and contracting to different companies, it was a really broad spectrum of stuff, but I was, on this one particular contract, I was stuck in a room that was maybe, I don't know how you'd say it in feet, it was about maybe five or six square metres of space, so maybe 25 feet square feet of space or something, and I had a wall full of computers buzzing at me, and I had no natural light, and I was the only person in the room, and that was how I would spend eight to ten hours a day working on this contract, and and I reached this point where it just sucked, and I just thought, you know what, my life is worth more than this. I was about eight steps removed from doing anything meaningful. Uh, the only possible outcome was that a shareholder might get a 0.00001% improvement on their shares at the end of the financial year. And I thought, I'm just this tiny little cog in this massive machine. I would much rather make a difference to people one-to-one, -one. or at least you know, on a bit bigger scale than, than helping someone's share portfolio track up by a fraction of a fraction of a percent. And my girlfriend at the time, who's now my lovely wife and mother of my two kids, was living with me and she said, you know, you're miserable when you get up, you're miserable when you go to sleep. I really don't enjoy hanging out with you much at the moment because you've just got so much anger and angst about this work that you're doing. So I think your job needs to change. I think you need to think of something different. And so there was, that was pretty easy. The whole, yeah, I really think I need to get out of IT, that was pretty easy. The question about what to do next, um, interestingly kind of landed in my lap. I picked up a camera on our trip to Hawaii, which was our first boyfriend-girlfriend excursion as a holiday. and. And so I thought, oh, I'll get a duty-free camera and maybe do a few, like read a few magazines, take a few books, figure out how the hell to use this thing, shoot a few test rolls of film. And I just loved it. I just got sucked right in. And so that was where the question started to become, could I run a business as a photographer? And yeah, there was a lot of fear. There was heaps of it. Uh, but I think equally there was a lot of, uh, a lot of hate against the IT career by that point. So we spent two years worked our way out of the contracts that we're in. In fact, first thing we did was we saved a bunch of money and we took a three-month holiday to Europe and spent probably close to $60,000 on this holiday, just ex spared no expense, went everywhere, got engaged at the Ice Hotel at the top of Sweden, you know, saw all of Western Europe in a motorhome. It was just awesome. But then after that, we came home and we right, pay the holiday off, number one, number two, save up some capital, number three, let the contract lapse and jump. And so my wife at the time gave me a pretty soft landing. She was earning even more money than I was in an insurance role and was able to keep the mortgage paid and keep the lifestyle kicking along while I got the business off the ground in the first nine months. And then she joined me full time nine months after that and we've gotten married in there as well in that sort of in that period of my first year of business. And you know, that's almost well, nine years ago the business started and our engagement for nine years married is next month. So, you know, all good. Wow, that's pretty cool. So, so what about your wife, Israel? Was she was she fearful? Was she worried that photography was just going to be a hobby and you'd have to go back maybe to something you hated? Or were you worried about that? I mean, that's that's often the concern, right? We hear about follow your passions and you'll never work another day in your life. But yet you got to pay the bills. You got to eat. You got two kids now. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the whole follow your passion thing is great up until the point where you have a week with no cash flow. Um, my wife is extraordinary, 
and, and I, I mean, Bernie said there's going to probably be a lot of love flying around. I can't speak highly enough of how gorgeous she is and how much of a rock she is for me, but also how she knows me better than I know myself. Regularly gives me insights about where I'm at in my life. You know, I could spend the next 20 minutes of this interview just talking about how wonderful she is, but I won't. Um, the fear factor was pretty huge for both of us, and and I think when it came time for Belinda to, I guess to to think about whether she should step out and join me in the business or not, we had a lot of long discussions about it, and we sort of realised that we both had at that point we were only seven or eight months into my business. I had a really strong pedigree as an IT consultant that I could instantly go back to. The company that I worked for had basically left an open-ended invitation if I ever wanted to come back, give them a call. Um, and the company my wife worked for was a, one of the major financial institutions in Australia, so she had a great kind of background of, of work experience and credibility as well. And you know, so that sort of gave us a sense of comfort that. You know, we could we could make a go of this, and worst case, if it didn't pan out properly, we could go back to our old jobs. You know, we sort of had that idea of a safety net. Bear in mind that was almost ten years ago, and the the economic landscape has changed significantly in that time period. Um, but you know, over the course of our business, we've gone broke a couple of times, and you know, there's one time in particular when our daughter was 18 months old, where we sat in our hallway crying because we had. $10,000 of invoices coming in for a week and we had $2,000 in our account and no work on the horizon, no income on the horizon and we sat there crying. We had to ask our parents for some money to lend us to get through the next couple of months and we just sort of sat there and thought, you know, is it time to wrap up? We gave it a good go, you know, should we should we draw the line on, under it and say next thing, go back to a job and I think what's become a real moment of um, a pivotal moment for us in that is that we realised that we actually didn't want to go back to marching to somebody else's drum. We actually became quite addicted to the idea of being the masters of our own destiny and and taking control of our own life. And in doing that, uh, it sort of made the decision fairly easy. We sat there crying for a day, and then the next day we woke up and we thought, no, screw it, we can we can make this work. We just got to figure out what we don't know that's led us to this point. And so we we hired a business coach and someone to teach us the right way to manage our cash flow and the right way to get our marketing happening and to make sure that we had customers coming through who wanted to work with us and wanted to pay us. And then from there we worked our butts off and got the business up to a, a really great level. So, you know, it's, look, there's a bunch of other uh, stories I could go on with, but I'm, I'm kind of interested to see where you guys want to take this. So, Phil, back to you. <laughs> wow. Actually, I'm going to turn it back to Bernie because I, I, I love the story about you know about spending time with your wife and making that work and deciding that you needed to know what you didn't know I mean that's that's so interesting that you decided not to just keep doing what you're doing and maybe failing again being insane right just doing the same thing so Bernie I, I know you've got questions so I'm gonna give it back to you yeah you read my mind I I've, I've quoted this quote by Bill Cosby before but I'm gonna say it again because this definitely resonates with what Israel's just said right there but um, it's something along the lines of your desire to succeed must be greater than your fear of failure, right? Um, and what I'm hearing you say, um, I, I heard a few words kind of popping up, um, and one of the words was basically like um, you had such a strong purpose, you had such a strong desire to do what you were doing that that was far greater than the fear. So number one, I'm hearing purpose, you had a purpose. 
Um, the second one um, I'm hearing is hustle. This wasn't easy. You know, the story you started to tell sounded pretty easy, <laughs> but I'll be very honest with you. Over the course of the startup period and then the 10 plus years after that, you've, it, it's ebbed and flowed, right? So you definitely oh, have seen a lot of failure, a lot of, a lot of sacrifices, a lot of pain, but you hustled. You hustled your way through. The third word you didn't necessarily say, but I'm kind of hearing it, is just the ability to have the resilience, right? To come back, to bounce yeah. back up again, bounce back up again, and keep showing up and doing the work that you so wholeheartedly believe in. You know, you and your wife. Um, but let me ask you, because I know this, and not everybody else knows this yet, that you deal with something uh, very, very um, that can be very paralyzing, and it's very similar to something I've dealt with in life, and I know Phil and I have talked about it too. It's the big D word. Depression. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Take us through that because especially in the world of entrepreneurship and especially in the world of being a creative, if you will, um, depression, you know, uh, mental health issues, whatever else you want to label it as, this tends to, to surface quite a bit in people like us. Walk us through how depression has played a part in your past and how you were able to brave through us. If you can think of at least one big time that you can think of. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. the The biggest time, or the biggest experience I've had with depression, was the only time in my life that I've actually been diagnosed with it, um, and that was about two, two and a half years ago. So, after my wife and I hired our business coach when our daughter was eighteen months old, we, you know, we, we did the the traditional business thing of work your butt off and and scale and leverage and hire people and all this sort of stuff. And I had a point I reached where we had. Four freelance photographers shooting for our studio, and I had three staff full time in my office, as well as myself. My wife was, uh, she basically uh, was just about ready to give birth to our baby. I just ran a marathon and been training for six months for that, and I published a couple of books. And you know, I had all these mounting pressures, and and I thought that I was great. I thought that I was okay, and I was handling it all. And we took about two weeks off over the Christmas period, which in Australia is our summer holiday. So. We took a summer holiday to a beachside town that we always go to, and I wasn't able to relax, and I wasn't able to enjoy the time with my family and my kids, and we came back the following year, and I just couldn't get started, and I just didn't care for the business at all, and I just didn't enjoy taking pictures, and I, all I wanted to do was you know, go pack shelves at the local grocery store and, and do nothing, sit around, watch TV, and, and I was just very miserable. I basically couldn't get started at all. and. And so a series of events led to me going to my GP and seeing a psychologist and it was pretty much confirmed what I already knew and what I'd worked with with my wife. Um, there's a great resource in Australia called Beyond Blue, which is a sort of a depression awareness initiative. And on their website they have this questionnaire and, and the questionnaire kind of takes you through different factors in your life and whether you tick the boxes or don't tick the boxes kind of indicates how likely you are to have depression. And so I sort of already knew the answer before I saw the, the doctor, but um, but I went in there and I saw the doctor and he put me onto his psychologist in the clinic and you know, she said, you've got the highest ever reading I've ever seen for work-related stress and that's what's led to you in this depressed state. Um, it's kind of a gut punch, but at the same time it was a lot of a relief because then I sort of knew what it was I was dealing with and then I knew that there were ways of treating it and managing it. And so for me... Um, the, the biggest thing was to reshape our business because that was what was feeling like the big machine monkey on my back that I couldn't get rid of. And so we, we let go of three of our four photographers, two of our staff, and just reassessed what really is important in our life. 
is it having the big brand name studio and the big kind of massive thing, or is it more about having time with myself for my own nurturing, my own soul and spirit, and then time with my wife and my kids to be a good dad and a good husband, uh, and then around those two priorities fit in the work. And so that was the approach we ended up taking. So that was a huge part of the treatment. But then on top of that, really getting back to basics, like getting enough sleep, getting enough exercise of the right kind, taking away all the negative stresses, um, you know, looking at a mindfulness and a gratitude practice, doing something that sort of aligns my spirit and my body and all those sorts of things. Like for me, that's yoga, so I practice yoga quite a lot. And those sorts of things just to try and bring me back to a level of being stable again. Because typically, I'm a pretty happy, pretty chirpy kind of guy, you know. And and for me to be in that position where I was just waking up unhappy and waking up and going to bed unhappy and not enjoying the work I was doing, you know, I just I wasn't able to be myself. I wasn't able to to function properly. So that was where uh, you know, my wife and I worked really hard on what we needed to do to bring me back. She said, I want my husband back. Um, you know, and it was interesting because it wasn't a straightforward experience for her. Um, she had just recently given birth to our son who, uh, you know, for those of you in the audience and knew Bernie as a mom and as a woman, uh, my wife gave birth to an eight-pound boy who presented posterior in six hours with no drugs. So she's a pretty hard nut, you know. She's got amazing mental capacity and, and resilience. And then following that, five weeks after he was born in this freak accident, she cut off the end of her little finger in our back door of our house. Just this crazy freak thing. And and so she's sitting in the emergency room with her hand bandaged above her head like this, expressing milk for our son before she was given anesthetic or antibiotics so that he had clean breast milk to, to feed on while she was going into surgery. So, like, you know... <laughs> You're talking about people with six-pack abs. My wife's got the six-pack ab brain. You know, her mental resilience is just phenomenal. And then here she is looking at me saying, I've just done all this. I've just given birth to this baby and cut my finger off. What's your problem, you big sook? You know, so, <laughs> so then from there, the conversation changed a little bit. This one day she came home from running some sort of errand and she's pulled up at our house and there was a police car parked out the front. And, and my wife tells me this story where her, her stomach dropped and she thought, my God, what's my husband done? Why is there a police car at the front? And, and in that moment, she made the choice that for her, having a husband and having a father of her kids was far more important than anything else in the world. And the depression to her needed to be addressed and treated in the same way as if I'd set up her cancer. So it was in that moment for her that the goalposts shifted and she said, I don't care what we've got to do. We need to get you healthy. We need to treat this as a serious illness. We need to take any step we need to take to, to change our business, to sell our house, whatever it is, so that I get my husband back and so that my kids have a father because I don't ever want to have that experience of, of not knowing if you're okay. And fortunately for us, the police were seeing one of our neighbours on something completely unrelated, like, I don't know, like a noise complaint or an overdue parking ticket or something really lame. But, but you know, in, in our minds, that sort of crystallised this, this thing that, okay, depression is real, it's a serious illness, it needs to be addressed, it needs to be treated. And so, you know, for me now, I take an awful lot of, um, I, I find an awful lot of resonance in what resonance in what James Altucher talks about is his daily practice. And I have the similar sort of thing where I aim to spend time being mindful and being grateful every day and doing the things that I know I need to do to make sure I'm balanced, like getting enough sleep and eating the right foods and, you know, doing stuff that makes me happy. 
and, and just making that a priority every day so that I don't end up in that really dark place again. And it also has brought me to this point where I know what my priorities are in life and that was something that I thought I knew my whole life. I've always been pretty clear on where I'm going and what I'm up to but it's when you sort of get really low that you start to question well, what the hell am I doing? Why am I here? And so for me that was the that was a big kind of shut up moment. You know, that was the, the thing where I thought, okay, well, this business ain't all that. You know, this business is actually causing me to be um, not a great parent and not a great husband, and it's causing me to be the worst side of myself. So this business has to change, and my lifestyle has to take priority and precedence. So that's the long version. <laughs> wow, that's a great version, Israel. That, so it sounds like the secret to success is to marry your wife. So Bernie and I are wondering if she's uh, <laughs> taking on extras. If she's cause, polygamous. Yeah, because uh, we're interested. And uh, I'm sure many of the other viewers of the show will also <laughs> be uh, making advances at her. So uh, if you'd like to post her a picture, we'll, we'll put her up instead of you. And uh, that'll be fine. No, I'm just kidding. But in all seriousness, Absolutely. that's fantastic. <laughs> um, please give her a hug from us. That's... Um, she sounds fantastic, and you are fortunate. Absolutely, um, for sure. So, so, oh, so I absolutely. Am. Wow, wow, Ber Bernie. So dear. where do you go from there, Phil? Uh, I think we kind of go to the F word, huh, Bernie? <laughs> we do. I, I'm, I'm speechless because I mean, I, I knew it was going to be some really awesome shut up moments, but like I. I don't know how to sum it up more than that. So I say let's just go straight to the magic F word. Yeah, so we're going to yeah. hit you in the heart again here, Israel, and we're going to ask you, okay. okay, so you've got your wife on your side, you've got two great kids, successful business, so what's next, man? What are, what are you afraid of now? I mean, you, you've overcome so much. Do you still have any fear? And if so, what is it and how do you plan to work through it to continue to be successful on your own terms? It's funny, I think I face fear of some sort or other every day. Um, you know, the fear of, am I making a big enough difference and am I going to you know, kick enough ass before I die? Um, am I able to give my kids the best side of me every day? You know, there's, there's all sorts of little fear moments right through my life. And, and I, think, I think becoming more mindful and becoming more balanced in myself, I can kind of accept them for what they are, which is, I guess, the, the lizard brain, you know, I've sort of, I've come quite to terms with the fact that how that shows up in my life, it stops me from being my best self. And when I'm being really fearful, you know, then I can kind of go, oh yeah, it's just that, that stupid kind of irrational lizard brain going, oh, this is a bit hard. The next big adventure for my wife and I is to, to make our business or the photography business completely portable, so you know, location independent. Um, my wife has started a business in health and wellness coaching with a focus on mental illness, mood, and how diet and nutrition relates to that. Um, so that's going to be completely online for her as well. And the reason we're doing all this stuff is because at the end of next year, so January 2015, we're packing our family up in a bus and touring Australia for 12 to 18 months and meeting families and sharing this message of depression and lifestyle and that in fact there is actually a balance that you can strike and you can put your own personal priorities ahead of what your boss thinks you should be doing um, and we're going to make a film so you know the I, I guess the inspiration I draw is from films like I'm Fine Thanks um, that kind of flavor where it's a collection of stories of people just sharing how they've made dramatic shifts in their own lives and and I really feel that there's there's a huge array of that happening in Australia. Um, 
there's, there's this, this extraordinary body of research starting to show that we're working in Australia, we're working longer hours than most places in the world, in the developed world. And and I see it in my own work as a family photographer that the family unit is at risk. That a lot of people I photograph, they have the, the ideal life, um, but it's really a veneer. There's a lot of people that think they've got it all sorted. You know, they have the, the expensive brand name four-wheel drive SUVs in, in the driveway and they have the big mansion and you walk through the living room and it's all beautiful and it's all shiny and it's all new. But but when you look at the relationships between the parents and the parents of the children as I get them together for the family portrait, there's so much stress there and there's so much underlying disconnect because they're pushing too hard to try and have this ideal lifestyle. But it's at the expense of their own relationships with the people they love and the people that should be forced first and foremost in their life. Um, there's even a movement or a collective of mums called FIFO mums, F-I-F-O, and it's when their husband flies in and flies out. And I think that's just atrocious. I think it's just, it's it's heartbreaking to think that there are so many children whose, whose fathers are not there because they're working so hard to pay for the lifestyle that the mum and dad think they really want and they think that it's in the best interest of their kids and what it really is doing is just disintegrating their family from the inside out. You know, so that message for me that that anyone with children ought to be prioritising their own health and well-being and then their family first and second and that everything else needs to fit in around that. Otherwise, God, what are you here for? You know, when you sit at your deathbed and you're like, oh, okay, I've had, you know, 60, 70, 80 years. Gee, I'm glad I worked my ass off and missed my kids' graduation and missed them kicking a football. You know, I'm so glad I had all that money in the bank. No, really? Get a grip. You know, like, so... So that's my big message. That's what I'm sort of taking to the world is this sense that family is vitally important and that we can always make more money but we can never make more time. You know, so my daughter is seven and my son is three and, and while it shames me to say I don't remember a lot of my son's first six or eight months because of how depressed I was, I remember a bucket load of this stuff since then, you know, and I'm committed to making sure that I'm the best at that I can be and that I'm present as much as I can be for the rest of their lives. And all my work commitments and all the sacrifices that I make personally and financially are all so that they can have the most of me, the most of the happy, smiley dad that loves them and gives them cuddles and stuff, you know, and so that I can be that guy that my wife needs to have in her life. Um, and so the fear is about, am I doing a good job of that? And then the fear is about how the hell am I going to completely start a new business with my wife and, you know, make my own current business portable and find a bus and then find sponsorship and then buy the bus and fit it out and work out what bloody path we're taking around Australia and then how am I going to learn how to shoot films? Like I'm a photographer that shoots stills, God, you know, like there's, how, much, how much fear can we fit into a 20 minute episode, Bill, you know? Yeah, wow. So. Well, that's, wow, if you, so continue to put first things first, which is you first, is really powerful stuff, Israel. I think a lot of folks think that uh, myself included until recently have felt that putting others interests first is in their best interest when in reality if we're not our best self if we don't have anything to give they don't have anything to receive so your message is just spot on exactly. man we're so so grateful for your your bravery to do this and we we can't wait when you're in the middle of your bus tour and we're at about episode 250 we'd love to interview you again, Israel, and talk to oh, you about how you've changed the Australian world. And then we're looking forward to that bus tour around Wisconsin, maybe. 
and around the United States because that's a message that everyone needs to hear. And Bernie, did we still have him or did we lose him? I think we might have lost him. That's okay. So we're snapped here and still with Israel Deep in Thought. <laughs> Take IsraelSmith.com and follow him on Twitter at Israel P. Smith. Israel, if you can hear us, man, we love you. Thank you for you. Bernie? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Izzy. And thank you, Phil. That, that, was, that was just the love that we needed to round out uh, our shut-up show today. Absolutely. <laughs> Did you know The Shut Up Show has a store? Go to theshutupshow.com slash store and check out the awesome digital products we created just for you. Also, if you're a content creator, you've got to check out our sponsor, Cells. That's S-E-L-Z dot com. Seriously, simple selling. Go check them out today.